Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 10th, you'll be getting a physical abundance box. Plus, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, You will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. Be yourself in your work. Be as much as your vision as you can be because that'll make you different from anybody else. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work. If you want to be baking or sculpting or dancing or songwriting or screenwriting or painting or doing that thing that you've just always wanted to do but you haven't figured out quite how to make a living full-time doing it, this is the show. This is the show, Don't Keep Your Day Job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. We're here to have this conversation week after week. We're interviewing people who've done it. We're talking about the strategies. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Thanks to Daily Harvest for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB to get three items free in your first box. That's promo code DREAMJOB for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com, and the promo code is DREAMJOB. 
Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Doki for Day Job. Skillshare is offering Doki for Day Job listeners a limited time offer of two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob to get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. Act now for the special New Year's offer and start learning today. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is treating Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash dreamjob. So check out this week's menu and get $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash dreamjob. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. For a limited time, visit casper.com slash savings and receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. More details later in the show. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I am thrilled because Lisa Loeb is here today, and I've been a fan of hers since the very beginning. Can't wait to bring her on. Uh, Before she comes on, I just wanted to share something with you. This week is Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is all about love, and it's all about what we hope that we're going to sort of have in this idyllic relationship with our partner. But I want to take a second and talk about one of the greatest, most important lessons I've ever learned, which relates to our relationships as much as it does to our careers. And that is this. We get what we feel we deserve. Let me say it again. We get what we feel we deserve. And so we have to take responsibility. If something isn't going right in your relationship, if something isn't going right in your career, if you don't like the way you're being treated, if you're not making the kind of money you want to be making, how are you allowing for that to happen? What message are you sending to your spouse, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend? What message are you sending to yourself about what you deserve? We get what we feel we deserve. This is so important. When I started to realize this, so many things started changing in my life. And I realized that people live the lives they're willing to tolerate. We live the lives we're willing to tolerate. We have the relationships we're willing to tolerate having. So it's on us and it's easy. It's so easy to blame or point the finger or say, the reason I'm not making the money I want to make is because of this. And the reason I don't have the respect I want to have from, you know, from my relationship is because my partner is just so blah, blah, blah. If we're really being honest, we have taught the world how to treat us and we, we, we get what we think we deserve. So with our careers, it's just the same. I want you to think about this because so often we've sort of been living on autopilot and we've been holding on to beliefs that we have about ourselves or strategies or survival skills that we've had since we're kids. I know for myself, I grew up in a house where things were kind of tense and chaotic. And so for me, I think I learned early on that there was a really big payoff to sort of not having needs and making my whole life's work about taking care of everybody else and not not having any attention be put on what I wanted or needed. I think one of the ways that I survived growing up was just being really easygoing about everything. And in many ways, that has really served me in my life. And in many ways, it's really hurt me. Like I have had situations where a nanny has stolen like $15,000 from me. I've had situations where people have taken advantage of me. Um, you know, I've, I've had like, you know, me too situations with, um, with people in the industry. I've had situations where I've been in a work environment and I've been working harder than let's say somebody else in the company. And that person was being paid three times as much because that person literally asked for that. 
have you ever stopped to, to notice like there are people in your life, right? There are, you know, girls who are your friends with and you notice that they just have a certain standard and in their relationships, they're just treated a certain way or they would never date somebody who would ever talk to them a certain way. They would only sort of stand for a certain level of, of you know, of respect. And then there's other people who you just notice like they're just being walked all over. They're tolerating that. There's a certain part of them that's agreeing. They're, they're, they're making a nonverbal agreement with this other person that it's okay to talk to me like this. This is what I also feel I'm deserving of. And it's the same thing in your career. Have you noticed that there's people, and sometimes you're jealous of these people, but there's people sometimes in your life who, no matter what, they make time to go to the gym. They make time to go on a hike. They make time to get their hair blown out. And they, they have a lot of money and they, they love what they do. And it's rare. Um, but there are people who have a certain standard for themselves like that. And there are other people who you notice, like they're just always feeling walked on. They're not loving what they're doing for work. They're on a certain level. They're the reason that's happening because they're agreeing to it. And they're, they're not, they're not saying I'm absolutely going to change this. I'm going to raise my standards. I'm going to set the bar and I'm going to not tolerate this anymore. We get what we feel we deserve. We get what we believe we deserve. It comes back. There's a poem by Mary Oliver and she's one of my favorite poets. It's called Wild Geese. And I'll just read you the first two lines. She says, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. This is an amazing two sentences because this is truly what's going on for all of us. And I remember when I first read this poem, I just started to cry. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. Think of it. Think of it. Like I feel like so much of my life. I'm just like constantly feeling like I have to earn it, like I have to explain, like I have to apologize. And in my life, in the moments when I've been willing to upset that apple cart and to change the status quo and to level up and say, no, I deserve more than this and I'm going to set a different standard. My relationships have changed. My career has changed. The amount of money I've made has changed. I want you to think about what it is that you deserve and I want you to own it. I want you to just own it once and for all. Stop apologizing. Stop explaining yourself. I remember one of the most liberating things my husband ever said to me. He said, not everyone has to like you. How freeing is that? Like, I don't have to spend my entire life trying to make sure everyone's happy. No. And the thing is, even if I was the most delicious, perfect, ripe peach you've ever seen, not everybody likes peaches, right? It's like, not everyone's going to like me no matter how hard I try. And it's so freeing. Just make sure your side of the road is clear. Be the kindest person you can be and stop tolerating anything less than you know you deserve. And maybe this week you will start to do more and you'll make things a must and you will raise that standard and you'll decide once and for all what you know you're deserving of and you know you don't have to apologize for it or explain it. You can just have it. I really feel like Everybody is deserving of having a life that's full of pleasure and that's fulfilling. I don't think one person is more worthy of having a beautiful, amazing life than somebody else. I think we all sort of have that as a birthright, but not all of us ever have it because some of us decide that we're not worthy of it or, or we'll just take this one little piece or this one little crumb and, and far be it from us to ask for more. You deserve it all. I hope that you know that you do. Raise your standards. Stop tolerating less than you deserve and you're going to get so much more back. 
Thanks to Daily Harvest for supporting our show. We've all seen a mouth-watering healthy smoothie on Instagram or Pinterest and thought, that's the kind of thing I should be eating, but who has the time to make that every day? Wouldn't it be great if you could get those picture-perfect nutrients without having to hit the farmer's market and chop up a million fruits and veggies? Now you can get all your superfoods super fast with Daily Harvest. I think this is awesome. It comes to the door. It's packed on dry ice. Each one of these self-contained like little cups, you can just make so quick. You just you can add water or coconut milk or whatever it is that you want. Super fun. Daily Harvest sends superfood eats straight to your door with your choice of smoothies, activated breakfast bowls, or nice cream, vegan sundaes. Their produce is organic and unrefined and looks as amazing as it tastes. You can actually see all the whole ingredients when you open the cup. Daily Harvest freezes all their ingredients at peak freshness, sealing in their nutritional value. Cups are stored in the freezer, so they're ready whenever you are. It's super easy. Each single serving cup comes ready to blend or heat. Just add water, or if you're feeling fancy, you can substitute other liquids like coconut or almond milk. Either way, your Daily Harvest cup is ready in just 30 seconds, so you can eat right and eat right now. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB to get three items free in your first box. That's promo code DREAMJOB for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. This episode is also brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. Skillshare is like the Netflix for online learning. You go there and there's just so much great information. There's so much you can be doing. Like, let's say you have a free 20 minutes. Let's say you have a free moment on a Sunday. Instead of just like searching the net or turning on the TV, I think it's amazing. You could be taking a class in music production. You could take a class in goal setting, small business marketing. Like, honestly, you guys, there's so much there. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer for just my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 18,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash dreamjob to start your two months now. We're now going to bring on Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb, for those of you who don't know, is a singer-songwriter, producer, touring artist, author, and philanthropist who started her career with the platinum-selling number one hit song, Stay, from the movie Reality Bites. She's a trailblazing independent artist. Lisa was the first pop musician to have a number one single while not signed to a recording contract. She followed that remarkable feat with the hit singles Do You Sleep, I Do, and Let's Forget About It. Um, she's written other albums like Cake and Pie and No Fairy Tale, and she recently just won a Grammy. Lisa continues to craft irresistible pop songs for the 21st century while designing Lisa Loeb eyewear. She also writes children's books and she supports nonprofit causes. The LA-based uh, mother of two is well-known to parents and kids for her albums Catch the Moon um, and Amazon Music Exclusives Nursery Rhyme Parade and her 2018 Grammy-winning Best Children's Album Feel What You Feel. She's also published two picture book CDs for Sterling Children's Books. In addition to all of that, Lisa has a um, philanthropy where she raises funds for kids to go to camp who normally wouldn't have the resources to go to summer camp. She also has done tons of film and TV appearances. She's currently touring, releasing new eyewear, um, still writing music, and uh, she's just a lovely person. I'm so glad she's here. Without further ado, the amazing Lisa Loeb. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited to talk to you and discover things together today. Yes, like have an awakening. Um, so I think that most people know exactly who you are and what you look like and what you sound like. But just to recap, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to be the Grammy Award winning special soul that you are. Just tell us a little bit about your story. 
Well, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, mostly went to an all-girls school. It was in a very conservative time. Um, I was in Texas and growing up in high school in that kind of Molly Ringwald, Pretty in Pink era. And so it was a very conservative place. So um, the reason I mentioned that is because I grew up in a place where it was unusual to be an artist. Luckily, I had my, my one of my best friends. Her mother was literally a visual artist and a teacher. So it was sort of in my periphery. But it was unusual. I, I felt like I was a little bit on the outside growing up. So for me to want to play guitar, which I started doing when I was a teenager, I took piano lessons like everybody, a lot of people do, um, right, starting when I was course. a very young child. I started writing music when I was like six or seven years old, but really started putting words to it when I was more of a teenager. And in, in a way, it suited me okay because I was a pretty shy person um, until around 15 years old when I decided I wasn't going to be as shy anymore. There was something that clicked in me. I think part of it was my father... I grew up one of four kids and my older brother, I think was also a little bit shy maybe. And, um, he used to tell him, you know, when you meet somebody, you need to go up and shake hands and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I, <laughs> and I saw that and I saw that that was like a valued thing to be able to do. So I would bite the bullet and I did that growing up. But finally, as I got older, there was something that clicked in me. I think it's because my friends, uh, two of my best friends and I especially started interviewing rock bands. We were right. really interested to, to, to meet rock bands when they came to town, interview them. One of my friends wrote for the newspaper. I had a radio show at the boys' school on the radio station down on the FM dial. And we were just huge. We loved music and we collected, all collected tons of records and went to tons of concerts. And, you know, we'd go meet bands at record stores and stuff. So I think around that time, I was like, I'm not going to be shy. I'm just going to, you know, make myself talk. So, so I tried to act as if I wasn't shy and still... I, I was a quiet person who would sit and write songs quietly and shyly in my room. So even though I had some really great friends, some of my musical taste wasn't exactly theirs. So I felt like I didn't quite fit in and yet being part of the community at the same time. At the same time, I went to summer camp and that was a place where I really started feeling like myself a little bit and, yes, and learning that totally it's not just about like that. making good grades in school, which I also like, but I really loved summer camp and writing fake lyrics to songs that the silliness of it and the fun of it. And just, I'm always, I've always been searching for that place where I feel comfortable, where I feel creative. I'm always getting more comfortable with being slightly out of place as well, which is a real skill, I think. And important yeah. when you're always sort of trying to do something new or even mm -hmm. do something that you want to do and deal with your fears. And also as I, I, I get older, I look back and I, and I recognize it and I'm able to look and say, everybody's shy. You know, I'm always kind of shy. And the thing that helped me the most, realizing that everybody's like that. You know, yeah, everybody's- that's so helpful. But so anyway, yeah. I grew up in Dallas, always loved to play music. I did musical theater and performed in school plays. And ever since I was a kid, we had to do some of that in school as well. I always took dance lessons and multiple times a week and ice skating. And even though I was shy, I loved to perform. And then I went off to Brown University and I found my people. Like I love my friends. My, I'm still really dear friends with, with a bunch of people I grew up with. But to be in a different place, I went to Brown University, which is much more liberal and artsy and I just felt like I'm a cat and I was with all the cats finally. You know, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, I could breathe a sigh of relief. And that was such a great place for me as a musician. I'm not sure I studied enough, but as a musician, there were so many other musicians. I wanted to live up to the standards of all the other musicians who were there, who were just amazing. A lot of whom have gone on to become real professionals 
that we know of, like Duncan Sheik, uh, Marco Beltrami, who does music for for oh, film, cool. and Chad Fisher, who makes music for TV, and just the list goes on and on. And so there was a real standard of you know people who are trying to do it and and sort of acting like professionals while they're in college. It was a great community. It had there was a lot of challenge and at the same time a lot of high standards, which yeah. was a good match. So that's sort of where I came from and. From then, I, I continued to make music and recordings, which I'd already been doing since high school, developing my following in a really grassroots way, meeting music industry people, which I'd already started doing in college to see if I could get advice about you know, how to get a record deal and what do you do next and where do you get your cassette tapes manufactured and right. all the details of business. You know, I, I, I tried to be part of the professional community. I love the business side of music, even though it's not the best business. I'm really interested in that. And I'm also really interested in constantly trying to work on my craft and learn from other people or take yeah. a writing class or, and, and I like all the gears. I like the, the gears of just working on music or creative stuff. I like just the gears of working on marketing and business. And I also like the place, sort of the Venn diagram where they can cross over and can influence each other, hopefully yeah, in a positive nice. way. So when you were in New York at this time, were you working at a day job? How were you funding your music dream? I was. I worked at room service at a hotel. I worked at a place called Hold Everything, which is like Pottery Barn. And then my dad helped convince me. He said, you know what? We should think about a backup. And I said, well, I don't really want to think about a backup. But then I started thinking about it and I thought, you know what? That is a good idea because I, I do want to be engaged in what I'm doing as I grow up, you know? And so I thought, you know, I'd really love to go study psychology and the brain and I'll do music on the side. And I did that for about a year at NYU. And mm -hmm. I studied psychology, but I just was so busy with music, even mm. though that wasn't what I was studying. I, I decided to stop going to school and just to do it, do music. And I started doing a lot of temp work. And that was actually great. I could type pretty well. So my typing skills got me some pretty decent paying executive assistant jobs or sometimes just jobs that would last a long time. And I would go in my little Ann Taylor suit and I would use their Xerox machine to make my flyers mm -hmm. and make phone calls and be awake at hours that I would never be awake so early. Right, right. And that's what I was doing, working at Ernst & Young in a temp job when I got a call that Ethan Hawke, who I knew, passed my music along to um, Ben Stiller, who was directing him in Reality Bites. Yeah, and originally yeah. I was trying to write a song for Ethan. Ethan wanted me to write a song because his band he had a band in the movie and the band played a song. And just like all music supervisors, they had asked a number of people to write music for that song. And I remember the guy from the Violent Femmes had written a song and Soul Asylum ended up being the band whose song they chose for the movie for Ethan's band to play. But then Ethan also asked me for other music, songs that he liked that I played in my concerts and that were sort of more popular songs in the concerts I was playing around town a lot. And that was the song Reality Bites that I had just recorded. I had had a I had a demo deal from a record company and I was recording a couple different versions and um, we gave him my favorite version, which was one I made with my friend Juan Patino. And that song went into the movie Reality Bites and I quit my temp job and, you know, I, I thought it was leading to something. And in retrospect, it's surprising that it actually did lead to something. But at the time it felt natural that of course I'm going to get a song on a soundtrack because a friend's going to pass a song along. And, right. you know, I believed right. it and, and, and I took advantage of the opportunities, you know, and, and a radio station in Houston started playing the song off the soundtrack and, and without a record deal, I wasn't signed to a record deal yet, even though at that time that was the goal, because when you had a record deal, that meant you had a job and you were actually doing it. But I was working with RCA Records who had put the record out and their promotion company and the song went to number one. And that's when I signed the record deal when my song went to number one. 
And I signed with a different label, but it was like this, the slow build that was always happening ever since I was like in high school, I felt like, um, I think to the public, it looked like an overnight type of thing. And I'm sure there were a million times people told me, no, I remember meeting Steve Miller, the musician, you know, and, uh, my friend Juan, who I was working with had, had worked as a photography assistant to somebody who shot Steve Miller a lot. And, um, we, we ran into him in a lobby someplace and he's like, Oh, you're a musician. What do you do? And we explain it. I think it's a Suzanne Vega type of thing, or maybe he said it was a Suzanne Vega kind of thing. And he's like, Oh, that's, he basically sort of implied or said that's never going to work out. And you know, but when I hear, when I hear stuff, you know, (laughs) but also I, now I understand looking at, you know, up and coming musicians, it's a hard job. You know, I can imagine being a person who says, you know, if you don't really want to do it, just don't do it because it's really hard. And most of the time people tell you no. And it's so cliche to say that, but it's true. (laughs) You know, you, you, you really have to be, have your mind working and your creativity working and your positive outlook or your ability to look at your career and look at what you're doing in different ways and different facets of it. You know, there is, there is a lot of people telling you no, and and it's important to look at it in a way that that helps you and empowers you rather than depresses you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Of course. Well, look, let's, let's take it from there for a second. Let's stop because that was such a huge moment. Like your career exploded. I mean, I, I was growing up, I was a kid and I was watching it sort of, you know, like everybody else. And you were everywhere. You were like this it girl and everyone fell in love with you so instantly because you're so lovable. Like, you're beautiful, oh, thank you. first of all. And the song was so, like, everybody's song. Like, everybody would listen and be like, oh, my God, this is how I feel. Like, it was written in such a way that I feel like everybody could relate to it. Um, and the movie was so incredible. So it was like this perfect storm of, like, the best movie of its time that really captured the time the best actors this amazing song and then you being as sparkly as you just are um and your glasses and like everything what was that like like that i mean that catapulted you into like major stardom like pretty fast i would imagine it did once that it was it was kind of like that movie sequence where you see like all the magazines spinning and you're like Tootsie's on the cover, you know, some fake character or whatever. Right, right, um, right, right, yeah. You yeah. know, it's interesting. I was I was really lucky that the song that they chose was a song that really represented the kind of music I like to write. It had no chorus. And it was a rock band behind me, but mostly acoustic. And the thing about it that right. was a little bit different was I didn't usually write things that were so close to my real life. I like to be a little bit more secretive with my lyrics. I liked bands like The Cure and David Bowie and The Police where you didn't know exactly what they were saying. And with this song, it had a little bit of that, but it was also very heart on my sleeve, which I, I sort of fought within myself over for years with that because I didn't, I wanted to be more crafty. And yet the song that people connected to the most was the song that was that, like that was the essence of, I think what made people connect to it. So I always, I always look back at that when I'm trying to write and remember, and I, and I say this to songwriters too, that it's so important to be yourself in your work even if you're crafting it and it's a story and it's fictional, be as much as your vision as you can be because that'll make you different from anybody else, you know, even though the story has been told a million times. Yeah. So, but anyway, so the, I was very lucky that was happening. I was lucky that there was just the edge of acoustic singer songwriter music kind of coming back in the middle of, of uh, highly produced music. The timing was really good. Like you said, I, I just, as you said that I, I hadn't thought about that before, but I was lucky because the cast of the film Reality Bites had a lot of 
a variety. There was, they were kind of more on the edgy side and cool side of actors. So that sort of put me oh, in yeah. their world with, with right. Renona Ryder cool. and, um, you know, Ethan and Steve Zahn and, um, uh, Ben Stiller and all the rest, all the rest here on Gilligan's Isle. Um, <laughs> Janine, Janine Garofalo. Garofalo. So we had some sort of edgy modern people who were popular, but also that Ethan directed the video. So the story of the song was great too. Here it was Ethan, this famous actor who was actually my friend and just really creative guy directing this video, but it, it looked good on paper that this, this actor was directing it. Yeah. He had an idea that nobody had had if ever in a long time, one take video, the way he wanted me to look into the camera as I sang really told the story of the song. And it was very unusual and unique to have a video like that at the time. So that was mm, unique cool. to have a song that was so acoustic guitar centered. Some people thought it was just me with a guitar. That was unique. The concept that I came from nowhere, um, you know, overnight, that was unique, but I was lucky with all those other connections. Cause I, I, I felt very, um, and I, and I felt it because people would interview me and write things this way that I was sort of stigmatized as this wayfish overnight pop singer. And I was like, no, I'm, I have a band and I've been doing this forever. And, you know, I kind of fought that and it was, it was frustrating for me to, na- to uh, navigate that a little bit. Yeah. And I didn't want to be labeled as the waif with glasses or, you know, folky, whatever. I, I'm like a girl with a band and, right, and course. I feel like, but I feel like even though I knew that I wanted other people to know that. And I'm, two things I learned from that was one, let them label you, like, let them label you. If you know who you are, if that helps other people have the ability to see that you're even there, let them label you sometimes, you know, it's, it's okay because people will remember that, you know, and that's fine. You can prove yourself through your work as you move along. And second of all, take advantage of press releases. You know, when I'd see other musicians who I considered my peers, they were quote unquote geniuses and unbelievable songwriters and right you know, the storyteller of their generation and whatever, I'm making this up, but that's the kind of stuff you put in your press release, even though it's horribly embarrassing and you would never like go around and talk about yourself that way. No. Tell people what to say, put the words in their mouth. You're a genius songwriter because I I have been writing songs since I was six and I'm like, what makes them a genius? Wow. Everybody must really love what they're doing. Well, yeah, sometimes critics do love you. Other times you just have to tell them what to say. You tell them what it is, even though it might be embarrassing. You, you put a label on yourself that you want them to see you in that light because it it gives you the opportunity to be that, you know, like, especially if that is who you are, like, I don't, I don't think I'm a genius songwriter, but I would love it if somebody said that when I'm coming to town and playing in a city that they think I'm like some great songwriter, that'd be nice. I, you know, I work at it and I'd love them to listen to the lyrics. That'd be nice. But sometimes you have to tell them what to say. Yeah. Even though as embarrassing as that is. So, so the thing that's pretty fascinating, you know, sometimes people can say like, you know, from the sidelines, they can snicker and be like, oh, well, this person got lucky, you know, like that was just luck. Right. But if somebody is successful multiple times, right, like over and over and over again, like there's a string of successes. It's like, well, I don't know if you can say that that's luck anymore. Like there clearly is something about this person, about their strategy, about the way they show up in the world, about how much they know themselves and they've been able to figure out what they have to offer and how to express themselves. And so you've reinvented yourself in so many different ways and you've spanned the decades. Like there are so many stories that begin the way yours just did and they end right there. And that's not the way this story is written. In fact, you just like 
days ago won a Grammy, like days ago. Like it's still like you could, it's still hot off the presses. Like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's such a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Mazel Thank tov. you. What an amazing feat. That must've felt like such a surreal, like yet you've always felt like that was within reach. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Blue Apron is amazing. There's so much stuff there. I recently tried fusilian broccoli casserole, soy glazed Korean rice cakes with broccoli and soft boiled eggs. Anything that you want, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you eat meat, whether you're a pescatarian, so much great stuff. My kids love it. It comes to the door, packed on dry ice. Everything is pre-proportioned, so there's there's no waste. You guys are going to find this such a great way to make something fresh, but it takes all the guesswork out. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to plan. It's all there. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S., and while many people know what to do, many don't know about the types of meals you eat when you cook with Blue Apron, like strip steaks with potatoes and spicy maple collard greens, a steakhouse-inspired favorite with a delicious twist, chili-infused maple syrup with incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what best fits their schedule. Blue Apron sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. Upcoming meals include strip steak and potatoes with spicy maple collard greens, spicy chicken and stir-fried vegetables with jasmine rice, and creamy fusilli bucati pasta with fried rosemary and walnuts. Blue Apron is treating Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners to $30 off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash dreamjob. Check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash dreamjob. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. And you're invited to take advantage of Casper's competitive limited time President's Day offer for the first time ever. Casper is the place to shop for President's Day mattress savings this year. They sell directly to you, eliminating added costs and saving you money. Sleep in superior comfort the rest of 2018 and beyond with the help of the internet's favorite mattress brand. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial, and returns are hassle-free if you're not completely satisfied. Casper mattress is incredible. My husband and I recently moved into a new house. We had to get some new mattresses, and I was so impressed with just the unboxing experience, how easy it was, and how they give you this risk-free, like you have 100 nights to try it, and it really is an amazing mattress, and it's not easy to find such an amazing mattress. I feel like Goldilocks, like I've tried so many, and it was super easy and convenient, ships right to your door. For a limited time, visit casper.com slash savings and receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. The special offer expires February 20th, 2018. See casper.com slash terms for more details. Terms and conditions apply. That's $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more by going to casper.com slash savings. The special offer expires February 20th, 2018. I want to talk about the stuff that people who are right now listening, they could really use like a little bit of the inside. What what was going on behind the scenes in between those years? Like there were other singles, first of all, let's not forget, because I know myself, yes. I was literally blasting those songs like I do driving down the street. Like literally, I know those other songs. <laughs> and then there were years in between where you were doing other things. You were um, working on other kids' records. You were making glasses. I know that you. my mom used to say, Kath, she's doing this TV show. They're trying to set her up. Like I don't, there was like, yeah. a whole thing. It's reality um, shows. Right. Yeah, I did all different kinds of things. I had a show on the Food Network with Dweezil Zappa. Uh, after having two long-term relationships over, uh, somebody proposed to me to do a reality show, and I thought, well, that's a terrible idea. 
I am not a reality show kind of person. I said, well, let's do a demo. Let's try it out. Let's do a pilot that's, you know, just on our own so I could see what it feels like. And through that process of trying, I realized, you know what? This is an important story to tell. It was a real story of people in their 30s, you know, looking, trying to balance career and finding somebody to meet because getting married and having kids was a priority to me and trying to portray that through a quote unquote reality show. Um, Again, it was really, really hard, but I wanted to tell that story. And that goes back to something that's, I think, important sort of in the late 90s when I was still having some hits, but spending a lot of time in makeup chairs and traveling and not not being able to spend as much time working on relationships. I, I started feeling like, oh, this isn't important to me having my makeup done. I want to look nice. I'm from Texas, so I understand I got to do this. But this is before <laughs> iPhones. I couldn't sit and do a crossword puzzle or read an article or talk to my mom or do anything while I was sitting in hair and makeup. And I was like, this is not a good way to spend a life. Worrying whether you're going to have a hit on the radio or not, spending so much time on really things that are so boring, like what do you look like? And does your dress fit and all that stuff? And I thought, this is terrible, you know, like, and that was when I was even still having some more radio success. So I I started trying to figure out like, do I want to have another job? Do I need to think about changing careers? Um, At the same time, trying to appreciate like, also trying to appreciate what I have and playing concerts and everything. Cause I, you know, I have friends and family who want to do what I'm doing and I understand it's really special and it's to have that opportunity. You don't want to blow it, but at the same time, you're like, well, don't I need to start working on another job if I want to have some, another job in the future. But I ended up finding a book by Lawrence Bolt, um, B O L D T. I don't want to say that too fast. Lawrence Bolt. It's, it's finding the work you love, I believe mm-hmm. by Lawrence Bolt. And I, I started reading that book because I thought it was kind of like a what color is your parachute, but it was shorter than what color is your parachute and the more modern at the time. And I started reading it and this book changed my life. I it, it was great because it had questions and answers. So it was very active without me, you know, just having to think or read something. And what it did, I, I think it's really written for executives um, who are stuck in a job that they don't like, but I read it. And through answering questions about what my values are and what's important to me, and and this the book sort of leads you through all this thought process, I realized that even though, yes, I would like to be a psychologist one day and, and a bunch of other things, a lot of the things that I wanted to do to change my job, the reasons, I actually could do a lot of those things. And I was doing a lot of those things in my current job as a musician. And I was able to refocus on what I was doing in a different way. What I find fascinating about this is it was while you said this was during the chapter when you were still having radio success. So this wasn't like, oh, you had this fall from grace. No one would return your calls. You were you know, writing songs that nobody was interested in. You were like still in that upswing of all this music and people were listening and you were on the radio and you're like, I find this a little bit trite. Like part of this is not fulfilling anymore. This is not fulfilling. I don't like sitting in this makeup chair. Why did I waste my college career? You know, I want to, and and through the book, I realized I want to do something where I get to help children, you know, and then also when I was studying psychology back in grad school, I decided I wanted to study the brain. I didn't want to, I didn't want to help like fancy people with their stupid problems. I wanted to study the brain. Right. But as I got older, I realized people's stories are so interesting and, and those small, and, and people shouldn't be depressed in life. They should be able to look at their life in different ways with different facets and, and refocus it. And I also, um, I, I don't remember exactly the timeline, but I also, uh, at one point after being in two long relationships, started reconnecting with my Judaism. 
So I found this, I ended up going to this rabbi's classes, Rabbi Mordecai Finley. And through his work, he really helps you connect how to look at situations in a different way. These moments, these small moments that can change the way you behave in life, the way other people behave in life, you know, the way people relate to each other, that became really important to me. But then I realized I I get to do that with my job. I get to sit next to people on airplanes and talk to them. They tell me their stories. I tell them my stories. You know, I tell stories on stage about myself. I meet people after the shows. You know, I, I, I get to talk to people. Songwriting with other people. We all tell each other stories when we collaborate. So there, there's yeah. so much interaction that, you know, I'm not getting paid as a psychologist and neither are they, but that essence and that that actual activity happens in my life already. I get that. I, I got to start a foundation to send kids to summer camp. And that's because I took a step back and said, wait a minute, what's important to me? You know, what yeah. what do I want to do? And, and And also having that taking a step back, be part of a regular career, you know, talking to other songwriters. I realized wow. there were a lot of things I was already doing in my life and that I could have my values in my in my job. Not that I wasn't having my values, but even now I always focus on family first. My manager knows that that's the most important thing. Um, I say no to things if it doesn't work out with my family schedule. Making a living is one of the top goals. That makes me feel better. Like, you know, trying to figure <laughs> out what are the things that resonate with me. But reading this book, How to Find the Work You Love, that helped me refocus on what I was already doing. And was there satisfaction I could gain from what I'm already doing? And and were there, hmm. was I focusing on just like, ah, I can't believe I have to travel back and forth to JFK? Or is it, wow, I always wanted to travel. I get to travel and this is part of it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that that kind of thing I think can make a job more fulfilling that you might already even be yeah. doing. I feel like something that comes up all the time for listeners of ours and comments and questions, people will talk about how like, you know, they have this thing that they want to do, but they're just overwhelmed by fear, right? There's like this second guessing, they feel inadequate, they feel um, like, you know, why bother? Um, and for you, like I'm listening to you tell your story and I'm not just saying this to be nice, but this is like a specific thing that I wouldn't just say. You're fearless in the sense that you've been willing to ask like hard questions. What do you really want? Go for things, take the path less traveled, and then do it many, many, many times over and over again and keep like rocking that apple cart and like, what do I really want? Oh, I'm going to like now do it this way and I'm going to do it this way. And that takes being willing to do stuff without being like overwhelmed by the fear. And so how did you do that? And what could you maybe offer to somebody who's like, that's amazing, but I'm so scared. It it goes back to summer camp or being a kid. It's that standing on top of that high dive and thinking, I can't do this and just doing it. You just take a breath and Mm. you just do it. I, 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 I'm amazed myself that I continue to do things. Sometimes I have such anxiety. I walk by guitars in my own house and I, and I kind of glare at it because I'm like, don't look at me. I can't, I can't write a song. I don't know how to write a song. So there's these deep voices. And part of it is reading books by other people, reading the book by Stephen King about writing, um, reading books by Natalie Goldberg are amazing. There's a book called writing down the bones. And it wasn't until after college when I read this book and realized I can say whatever I want. And the first draft isn't going to be good. All you can do is take one step and you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And it's terrifying. It was terrifying for me. I want to write four children's books I came up with ideas for. And and part of it is that, like being open to your ideas all the time. I always have just this one idea. 
but, but really in reality, I have like hundreds of ideas and I'm always writing them down on pieces of paper. And some of them are products I want to create. Some of them are TV shows and some of them are, you know, I want to go back to doing more needlepoint and, you know, I, I want to bake a pie and like, I, there's all these ideas from small to huge, you know? <laughs> There's such anxiety around all of it. The only thing that gets rid of that anxiety and fear that I found is doing it. You know, I talk to people and they say, I want to, I want to be a singer. I'm like, then start singing, sing in your room, get a voice teacher, find somebody else who plays piano, find one song that you like. It it literally, the only thing that, that helps the fear is to do it. And if you can't do it by yourself, which is another thing that happened to me recently, I realized I'm just too uncomfortable. I can't have this fog over my head all the time that's saying you need to write. Well, I don't even, you know what? In my life right now, I've got two young children. I am touring a lot. I have a career already happening to sit down and write a song. Oof. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a 21 year old living in New York city in a loft with a bunch of other guys and staying up all night. I was like, I need a collaborator. And I just pinpointed that. I was like, what is keeping me I, I felt like I was a stronger person if I could do it myself. And I said, you know what? You've got to get that idea out of your head. I had started collaborating years ago and I realized even though it was sort of uncomfortable sometimes and it wasn't my thing sometimes and it wasn't always a match, a lot of times it is. Get a support system. Yep. And I found a collaborator who's Rich Jack. So I made the record that we got nominated for a Grammy, which is why I had him and, and then won the Grammy, which is why I had him come on stage with me because even though he wasn't like officially nominated, we made the record together and we made the record before that together and we made the record after that together. And we've done all these projects. And, and I told him that his collaboration with me, it's not just, oh, let's just write a song. Like to me, it really means a lot. That's so generous of you, but I love the way you're like articulating this because I feel like people do have this like need to prove something like, oh, I should be able to do this by myself when, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And so you bring somebody else who's special into, you know, a collaboration, all these magical things can sprout because the two of you can like feed off of each other. And I personally know Rich and he's like such a wonderful, yummy person. And that was so loving of you to include him in that moment. People not should know. Every, I know not what everybody like when would. I'm making a record. I'm like, well, who made the record? <laughs> you know, and I want to say, if you want to make a really cool record, yeah. this is the guy that That's I worked so with. Nice. And of course, I had a huge part in it and, and co-produced it and am a part of the whole thing. But he also is a part of it. You know, we, we did it together. Yeah. Um, so people will say, you know, similarly to you, like you just said, like, I want to bake a pie and I want to do needlepoint and I want to write a song and I want so many things. And sometimes people say like, well, I don't know which one to choose. And so I don't do it. But do you feel like people have to choose or do you, you feel like... You have to like, prioritize. Like, and how you do you don't. know which one? You have no idea. In fact, sometimes I, I have this one idea for an article of clothing that I want to have made that I think is going to be two articles of clothing. One's a funny thing and one's a, a, a practical yet fashion oriented thing. And I feel like I'm going to end up making those in the next two years. And I'm going to be like, why did I not make these 10 years ago when I thought them up? Because I could have just stopped working because it's going to be such a big success. You know, you just don't know, like you don't know. So I think what the best thing to do is, is just be very factual about it. Like sit down, write down, like for me, I would put in one list, needlepoint, bake a pie, doodle. I love doodling and coloring, you know, things that are kind of smaller, shorter tasks that might happen by either just doing them, like engaging in them, go to a store, buy the needlepoint kit and have it or have a friend come over and teach me how to make a pie and schedule a time. Like it seems like a one-time kind of thing might 
kickstart it, then there's other huge things. And and I just break it down. You know, I write lists. And if something's a career, like it also depends on, is it for pleasure or is it your career? Like I look at some of the ideas I have and say, gosh, you know, this is like a multi-million dollar idea, I think. And I need to make time for that as opposed to a general meeting with somebody about a concept or even auditioning for a movie. Like you just have to make a list and see which thing speaks to you the most. Cause that's the other thing which you probably talk yeah. about all the time, which I was, I meant to say, which is what drives you. Cause sometimes if you're so excited about it, you just can't help it. You, you, once you start and dip your toe in and just do it, you can't stop. But I don't know the answer exactly because I'm in the middle of that conundrum as well. And my day job is yeah. going to play the concert that I booked six months ago and going to do a lot of voiceover mm -hmm. jobs but, or auditions because that's part of the way I make a living and I enjoy doing it. And part of it is just doing that. And, you know, I'd rather sometimes not go speak at the thing I said I was going to go speak at. And then it's like this ping pong back and forth, like the movie uh, Fiddler on the Roof. It's like... But I, I've agreed to do this and I understand this is part of the thing and I should appreciate that I get to do this because not everybody gets to do this. But I would like to be just home writing music in my pajamas. But it is fun to dress up and put on eyelashes and have your hair done. But, you know, like it, it's it's at right, what level right. do you accept the process um, and, and understand that there are parts of it that are socially sort of what you do or maybe you break the rules and don't do them that way. Um, but you just have to, to write right. everything down, prioritize, look at your facts. How much do you need to sleep? How much do you need to exercise? How much time do you need to spend with your family? You know, 10 minutes a day of doing something is more than not doing it. And sometimes 10 or 15 minutes and also like working out or writing or anything else, when you have that fear about it or doing my puzzle, I'm like, oh, I don't have time for the puzzle. I sit down to put a couple pieces in and then an hour later, I'm still sitting there. Now that's also a different problem because I should be asleep, but you know, you, it's really about organization. <laughs> but you're right. You can find that time if you prioritize because on top of everything that you're yeah, doing, you yeah. also have two kids. So there's so a lot. Know. And I have three little kids. So I get it. I do. Um, so what do you think for you was sort of like the secret to your success? What steps do you feel like you took that somebody else could apply to their own experience and say, okay, well, here's a couple things that she's sort of like highlighting and saying, I think this and this made think, a huge difference. Um, the biggest thing would be knowing my, knowing my craft, learning, doing what I do, doing what I say I do. I, for me, that meant that's good. Being a songwriter, knowing what it is to be a songwriter, writing songs by myself with other people, listening to other people's songs, just really being in touch with what that is. And a singer, and a guitar player, I try to do my best. I take in lessons and I work with voice teachers and I take care of my voice and I do all these things. Like I take my actual thing that it is that I do seriously. Yep. So that's the priority. Being really, really persistent and not quitting. Yes. Just not quitting, just doing it, still doing it, which, you know, as a sidebar, again, refocusing on what the thing is you're doing so that you feel that it has some value to it and understanding that there's a reason you're doing it, whether it's because you want to and you enjoy it. I was just thinking to myself when I was driving home to do this interview with you, I was thinking, I really would like to do more art. And part of my brain was the monkey mind part was saying, but you're not an artist. You're not a professional artist. You oh shouldn't be God. doing art. You're not an artist. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. You know, like you can sit down and draw. But so anyway, so really do the thing that you want to do, you know, whether it's a sport or an activity or an idea or a business or whatever it is, you, you really have to dig in and know what that is. It might mean 
talking to other people who do it or the business of that thing. Um, and just trying really hard and not stopping. And in that trying really hard, another sidebar is ask for help, find collaborators and, and be really persistent and, and just keep doing it. Although in that being persistent, also keep an eye out. Don't ignore signs of whether the thing really isn't working and you also have no passion about it. If you're a musician and you're doing everything you can to play concerts and get an audience there and be really good at it and nobody's reacting, you might think about that as far as, is that a job or is that just something you enjoy doing? I'm so glad you said that. That's a little tough, but No, that's really important. You know, sometimes you have to take a no every once in a while and say, you know what? There's a reason everybody's telling me no. It's really important that you said that. Um, So in summing up, I feel like you said so many meaty, like wonderful, powerful things that people are going to be like, wow, my brain just like opened a little when she said that. Um, You just seem like you're such an up person like you're so marvelous and I feel like people could so easily listen to you and be like well that's so easy for her because she's look at her listen to her she's amazing she's happy she's like perfect um (laughs) do you ever feel low and if you do feel down in moments how do you pull yourself out of that oh no I've totally I mean if you listen to my songs there's so many low points at all times I get anxious I get depressed I think it's not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing this well enough. I should have done it a different way. I should have known better. Every single thing you can think of, I I also go through. I get nervous before I go on stage. But every time I, I remember, everybody's going through the same thing. You know, everybody yeah. feels that. I, I wrote that in the song, I do. You know, I was trying to write something that was kind of straightforward. Yeah. And I wrote, everybody feels this way sometimes. You know, I it, know when I you, that line. you know, when you realize you're one of the other humans. And again, like, your experience of the world is valid. You know, that makes it easier. But I I definitely, oh my gosh, my husband be like, oh my gosh, what do you, you know, I complain, (laughs) I vent, uh, I go take walks. So you're normal. Oh my gosh, I take long walks, I vent. But then quickly, again, I think it also at one point in my life, I think I had a cognitive therapist and it was all about action. So I, unfortunately, like I don't get as depressed, unfortunately, I don't get as depressed as I used to. I used to, I used to (laughs) sit and wallow in depression, but now, you know, if I was depressed, like, you know, oh, I won the, I won a Grammy for my children's music. Well, well, I I wish I had won it for a grown up album. I wish my songs were still on the radio more. I wish, you know, I I wish people knew that I made like almost an album of a year for the last 20 years. You know, nobody cares. Oh, you know. You can go down that hole. And then I'm like, oh, but I did make a children's album. And and I really enjoy making that music. And you know what? I have a lot of great collaborators and they can help me make another grown-up record. And you never know what's going to happen. And I get to play concerts for grown-ups. And you know, you, you can turn things around. I was exhausted today and I was like, uh, I'm never going to be awake. And this is the worst day ever. And I'm going to be too tired to work out and take a walk. And I had a couple hours to do stuff while the kids were at school, but now I'm not going to be able to do it properly. And me, me, me. And then I was like, okay, take a quick nap, drink some coffee. Okay. What can I do? One step at a time. I can unpack the suitcase from this weekend. Okay. You did that. You can make a really organized list. Well, that made me feel better. You know, like, my babysitter canceled. Oh, well, that really throws a wrench in it. But, oh, yeah, you know, maybe we'll, you know, but anyway, like just really continuously refocusing. And that's, I think that's the word, yeah. you know, you're always looking at the situation and looking for the bright side and looking for the way out instead of looking for the way deeper into it, you know? 
the, the time to look deeper into it is when you're a creative person and you're creating things, you know, whether it's a speech or a painting or, yeah. uh, you know, a dance or a song, that's a great time to go deeper and deeper and deeper and see how low you can get. But in real life, you want to keep yourself from going there by looking at the practical positive side of what you can do right now. I'm so glad you shared all that because it makes you just even more extraordinary because they say like courage isn't the absence of fear. It's like being willing to act in spite of it all. And so yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> it's just like nobody could put this on like, oh, she's just, you know, she's just unique. She's just perfect and so happy all the time. I'm not like that. It's like, well, there are no excuses. Like you have you know, a range of feelings like everybody else and everything you just said and like where your monkey mind can go. And I know exactly what that's like because your mind can just do fascinating things. I think one thing that um, you could add to your plate, which I don't think you have time for, is to be a podcaster because you're so you're so easy to listen to and you're so smart. I'm like, she should have her own show, but not that you have the time for I that. know. I keep thinking it'd be fun to do that too. I'm like, that's the other thing I would say if people are out there, it depends on what they're trying to do for a living and, and what they really want to do. You know, and, and this is what helped a lot when I made my dating show too. You got to talk to people if you can. You know, someone you're sitting next to on a plane is a grandma and they've got a really cute son who wants to date somebody or, you know, has they, I, <laughs> that's how I had my eyewear line. I was sitting next to somebody on an airplane and I had gotten so close getting an eyewear Stop line. It. I, had, I was so oh close to getting an eyewear line with a bigger company. And at the last minute, the person who was our, our person who wanted to sign the deal with us left the company and the deal, we were literally signing the papers and the deal just fell through. And it was, and it was kind of a bummer. It was also something I was avoiding doing when I first started out. Cause I didn't want to be the girl with the glasses. I wanted to be the girl with the music, but anyway, so finally I was on an airplane with my husband who wasn't my husband yet. We were in coach class coming back from Israel. My first trip to Israel, we were sitting next to this very tall, tall, older man. And we just randomly started talking to him. It turned out he used to be a teacher, but his profession now was making eyewear displays for companies. So I said, well, I, I really want to have an eyewear line. And I, I did this ad and I showed him the ad. I happened to have it on my computer with this large company. I had to explain to him I'm a musician and I've had some songs on the radio, which is embarrassing or whatever, but that's okay. You know, I was like my own grandma. <laughs> I call yourself being your own grandma. Tell people about yourself. That's and, really um, cute. you know, a little explanation. And he said, well, I should connect you to this company in San Diego. I th they're, they're trying to grow and I think they might be ready to do a, like a name brand kind of thing like this. And he connected me and we went into business with this company in San Diego. That's crazy. So you never know who you're going to talk to or meet. And I've met so many interesting people on airplanes that I've ended up doing business with or finding out information that helped grow whatever I was trying to do at the time. I think you're just a really nice person. Like you're really generous. You care about human beings. I really do care about just... human beings. I, I think my mom yeah, taught me that. I she said, tell. be nice. <laughs> well, you are. And you, this was like just so generous and fantastic. And um, in, in summing up, where do you want to send people to? There's so many fun things that they could go listen to oh. and read and enjoy of yours. Like where should people go find you? Well, people can find me at my website, Lisa Loeb, L-O-E-B dot com. And through that, you could see the Camp Lisa Foundation where you can donate money to send kids to summer camp, or you could buy my Camp Lisa record and the money goes to send kids to summer camp. Or you could buy the wake up coffee blend from coffeefool.com and all that money goes to send kids to summer camp. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram mostly at 
either at Lisa Loeb or the official Lisa Loeb. And I do communicate personally um, on those with people if you want to get in touch. And then also my last three records, um, including the one that I just got the Grammy for, um, they're available only on Amazon. Um, And you can listen to them for free on Amazon Prime, or you could purchase them and get an actual CD. You can also see where I'm touring through um, lisaloeb.com. Sign up on my mailing list, and uh, you can see the new projects coming up. And also, I'm on Spotify and all the other places for my other records, so you can check out all the music that's been happening for the last 20 years or more. <laughs> that's amazing. Is there anything else that you want to like say to anybody who's listening right now who's like, I have something I really want to do in this world? And- if somebody says they have something they really want to do in this world, you should, in about two minutes, you should turn this off. Yeah. Go get some paper <laughs> and a pencil or a pen. Literally like paper, not, not your computer necessarily. Get something you can right. look at and You've heard this before, but write five things down that you could do right now to make that happen. Whether it's nice. call somebody who can help you, you know, a, a business person you might know who who wants to help you do that, or an art teacher, or uh, a friend who, that you want to ask if you can go to their house to to write songs at night while your kids are getting ready for bed and watching TV, or you know, find five like really concrete things you can do. And if it's something that you already have, like I'm looking at a guitar in my bedroom right now. Turn the computer off, turn off your headphones, just pick up the guitar and play it. Or if you want to be an artist, just get any pen and any piece of paper. It could be a paper towel for all I care and just start, get it happening right now. Awesome. You're the best. Uh, I think if anybody only, let's say, knew your music and didn't ever get to hear you speak, which is probably rare because you're kind of everywhere. But if they haven't, I think everyone just fell in love with you even more. Um, you're awesome. Thank you for being you. Thank you so much. And sharing you with us. It was really enlightening. Thank you. That was so much fun. All right, here are some takeaways. Number one, be yourself in your work. That makes you different from everyone else. Number two, let people label you if you know who you are. You can prove yourself through your work. Number three, tell people what to say about you. Give them the label you want. It gives you the opportunity to be that. Number four, the only thing that helps the fear is to do it. If you can't do it alone, find a support system. Number five, 10 minutes a day is more than not doing it at all. Number six, be persistent, but don't ignore the signs if it's not working or you have no passion for it. Number seven, in the low moments, remember that everyone feels this way sometimes. Number eight, refocus. Look for a way out instead of a way deeper. Number nine, talk to people. It just might get you an eyewear line. And number 10, when this episode is done, take out a piece of paper and a pen and write down five things you can do now to make it happen. Thank you guys for listening to our show. If you really enjoy it, if you find it inspiring, um, share this episode with someone who you think needs to hear it. Share the show. It really helps us tremendously. If every one of you shared the show with one person, we would double our audience tonight, which would make a huge difference for us. And the more you support us, the more it helps us keep making the show. Another way for you guys to support us, which would be amazing, is to go to iTunes and leave us an iTunes review. And you probably don't know, but there's a whole algorithm to it. And the more reviews we get, the more the show gets exposure. So leave Leave us an iTunes review. Tell your friends about the show. Um, It means the world to us and uh, support our sponsors. Since this week is Valentine's Day, I thought I would close the show as I always do with a song of mine. But this one is sort of like a love song. It's called You Make Me Happy. And I wrote it with a friend of mine, DK Benjamin. And he's also singing on it with me. And he is just incredibly talented. And I'm so happy to share the song with you. Thank you. I love you guys. And um, I'll talk to you guys next week. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. 
The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. We should get away. Make today a holiday. Steal a little time. Stay in bed or go outside. Don't matter what we do. As long as I'm with you, you know. My favorite point of view is when you're standing here. You make me happy. I'm so happy. You make me happy, happy. I'm so happy. So happy. Let's walk in the rain. Kiss under the overhang. Share an ice cream cone. Share some secrets no one knows.